Y'all better put him in the Heisman. Got that wood right here, baby. This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by Bud Light Lemon Tea, a unique twist on America's favorite light lager. They're going to run and get that boot. The Arkansas Razorbacks have completed the dream season. A baseball team that's on the way back. A college world series title. I almost got fired because I went Willie the boss after I had a little too much sauce. This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Real quick, Tommy, uh, yesterday I wanted to bring this up. Uh, last or last night, I should say, there was an uh, event, an event at the Lyric Theater, which I hadn't heard of. I, have you ever been no. to the Lyric Theater in Birmingham? Didn't know it existed. Yeah, I had no idea about it either. But uh, it, it's kind of this old little theater in downtown Birmingham. So uh, there was this event that was listed on the SEC Media Days site, and it said that uh, you had to RSVP. They actually gave you a physical ticket with a seat, so it made it sound all official. And I had already, me and Ty RSVP'd for it, so we're like, okay, this should be fun. Let's go ahead and uh, you know, check it out, and it's going to be uh, showing a teaser of Saturdays in the South is what it was called. And so we get this there. This is like another documentary, like a an SEC storied yeah, pre- coming pre- up? Pretty much. It had the feel okay. for it. There was all something right. with Archie Manning and Herschel Walker and Steve Spurrier. They were all involved, too. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Yeah, you know, it's just something I was going to be really interested in. They said they were going to offer, you know, drinks and theater food and all that, that stuff. So that's so, why you wanted to go. Of course. Of course. Right. I mean, that was the number one reason. Uh, but we, I get on. And there's nothing listed. It's just this event. So me and Ty, we get on the trans transit bus because they were offering that to go downtown. And get on the bus. We Way go down over there. then, basically. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And we get on this bus, and I'm wearing the same exact thing that I wore. Or I changed it after the show, and after all that, I changed into my comfy clothes, if you will. Well, my little button-up Hawaiian shirt and some chacos and my uh, golf hat. You know, just because most events, Tommy, as you remember, you've been to a lot of these. They're not formal events. They're they're just hanging out and meeting people and and, and chilling. And so I figured this would be the same thing because there was nothing listed. Well, <laughs> I show up and I walk in, and it is packed, first of all, in the lobby. But I walk in, Tommy, and I realize that everybody is wearing slacks, blazers, uh-huh. right, dressed to the nines, almost like a movie premiere event. And I have my salmon shorts and Hawaiian shirt on. <laughs> Didn't get the memo. Didn't know. Did so not Ty, get. So what did Ty? Ty, what did you? What, I wasn't what was much better. Oh. I was not much better. So I y'all shorts. represented the company real well. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. 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 everyone was like, "Oh, those are those ESPN Arkansas guys." Yeah. We we already know about. No, they're saying those are Tommy Crafts guys. Yeah, that, that's right. That's yeah. right. They, yeah, they right. mentioned yeah. your name and everything. Yeah. But Tommy, if you've ever felt like the world was a tuxedo and you were a pair of brown <laughs> shoes, that that's how I felt last night being at this so event. It didn't dawn on you that you were going to not a movie theater, a theater. You know, there's a difference in the movie yes. theater. Give me the large popcorn there. And going to the theater. And did you think Archie Manning was going to show up in his salmon shorts and Hawaiian shirt? What What did you think was going to be the dress well, the dress well, attire for the I evening? I mean, I thought that it would be pretty much what people wear on Radio Row. I mean, most people here are just wearing simple button-ups. Some people are dressed with a little nice, maybe some slacks and stuff. But mm-hmm. some people are wearing golf hats. A lot of people are wearing golf hats or baseball hats. And it's just, I thought it would be kind of the same vibe. You'd much rather be underdressed than overdressed. Well, and, and I agree there, but... My, my question is, and I was asking Ty, I'm like, where, where was the memo for this? 
of dressing nice was, to this event. It was under the chapter of uh, common sense, I think. <laughs> uh, File that one under the, the, the common sense chapter. No. Well, Tommy, we look back at the email because you know how sometimes it says uh, appropriate dress acquire, or required, just like little hints and stuff. Mm-hmm. There was nothing of no. the so, sort that so, was inserted. On. When you got on the shuttle bus to ride from the hotel there at the Winfrey over to this, it, you didn't notice around the bus? Well... It's at, that, at that moment, did you not realize that, you know, we might need to catch the next shuttle it, and go no. upstairs and put some long pants on at least? No, because when we got, we first off, we, there was four different buses that left. Right. We got on the third bus, and when we got on there, there was only about probably eight people on it, and about four of them weren't dressed just like us, but were dressed normal, like just casual. So I know, I know Trey Shap was on there with us, and he he was dressed well, there's an example normal. to hold yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He was dressed normal, a guy that I knew. He was dressed like he was just came off Radio Row. I mean, it was all of that. So I mean, trust me, me and Ty. Well, I, I know that we you know, like to go it, casual, but we at least have the awareness that if we knew that we were going to an event where everyone was going to be wearing slacks and blazers, we at least would have tried to make an attempt to be it, fitting in there. But instead, I mean, I stuck out like a sore thumb. It sounds to me like you need to. Raise your level of casualness at the SEC Media Days events in general. I, I guess, but it's never been that way. I mean, it's never had a, an event like that. Tommy, you don't want us to get lost in the crowd either. The whole reason you sent us up here is for us to stand out and make a name for ourselves. And how would we do that if we dress all nice and uppity-uppity and blended in with the yeah. crowd? Instead, we did the complete opposite. And so yeah. when we walked by the commissioner and a bunch of big dogs, they said, oh, those are the ESPN Arkansas guys. Yeah. We clearly stood out yeah. like a sore thumb. Yeah. Well, standing out isn't always a good thing, Ty. Well, there's, 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 there's good reasons to stand out, and then there's these reasons. You, you know, know the, you know the old, the old adage: uh, publicity, whether it's good or bad, is always good publicity. I wish but, I had it because all I can hear is uh, Judge Smell's wife and Caddyshack saying, "You two look like a couple of boobies." You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. probably pretty much how last night went. Either yeah. that or Smell's walking by, say, "Don't you have homes yeah. to go back to? <laughs> go back to your shanties." It's <laughs> probably what people were really wondering about. But you know, I, again, that's I wouldn't say that was my beef for what's your beef Wednesday, but it was certainly an experience that I will never forget. There is there is a wide, when you get a thousand people together at an event, there's going to be a variety of things, but there are these people that come to Radio Road to do radio shows like we do every day that way overdress, coat yes. and tie every day because they want to make a statement about something, how important they are, how insecure they are, something. I don't know what, you've seen them there, I'm sure, wearing a full coat and tie. And you're like, what in the world? And then you get people, like, I guess, on your end of the scale that are, you know, wearing gym shorts down there. So, yeah. you know, find, find, always find some room in the middle if you want to be comfortable. Well, I will, I will remember that now, that uh, if there's an event at a theater or for a movie premiere, I got to dress the part. But Tommy, doesn't that sound ridiculous, though? You're having people dress up in, like, suits or slacks and blazers to go to a movie event on Saturdays in the South? I don't think pants is being overdressed, John. They weren't. No, Tommy, this was not. If it was just wearing pants, that'd be one thing. Well, I'm talking about they looked like they were going to church. Yeah, it was, Tommy, it was like 75% church-like. Yeah, because you're going, again, you're going to the theater. Yeah, not well, the theater. Well, we were watching a movie. We were watching a show. If it a wasn't a, a play, you were where at the Lynx 
theater. The, the lyric. The, the lyric, lyric. Whatever theater. it was. Yes. You know, the Lynx Theater would have been better because I feel like I'd probably have a golf course on it and I would have fit right in there. But no, it was the Lyric Theater that apparently was where everything was going on. And now I know that if there's ever an event there at SEC Media Days, I will dress appropriately. Mm-hmm. But it was just, you know, it's just one of those things I think you would have been really I proud of. I send y'all off one time without my supervision. And this is this is what you do. You well, know? what you expect. Yeah, I was going to say, you see what we wear every single morning. So you should have. I mean, this honestly, Tommy. I thought we had this discussion before you left. Mm, I don't remember. Didn't have it with me. Uh, I thought I forgot. About, I may have forgot about that. John so. didn't tell me so. Oh yeah. See, so he says, and then the ties here throwing me under the bus every single time. It's never Ty's fault, Tommy. It's never oh, Ty's never, fault. Never, yeah. never Ty's fault. So, but uh, but Joe, I, I we had some fun with that. And honestly, the special that they had from Saturdays in the South, I thought was pretty fascinating too. Just because not only is it like yeah, Archie Manning and Herschel Walker and Steve Spurrier up there, and they were talking about it and their stories and everything. But it started to make me wonder, Tommy, if there was a face of the SEC, who would it be? Just in the historical part of it, everything that the SEC stands for, is there like one wow. face, one person that you would say, that right there is SEC? Or any of those three guys up there last night would be a good good place to start, wouldn't they? Yeah. When you think about Steve Spurrier, and that comes to mind because we knew him as a Heisman Trophy winning player at Florida. Um we, we, we've known him as a championship coach at two different schools. His career, both as a player and coach, spanned decades. Um, but Spurrier would be a good one. Herschel Walker embodies everything you want in a player. Archie Manning, same thing. But, but Spurrier would be hard to pass up because he's basically done it all in this league. Yeah, I was probably going to lean towards Spurrier. Won a Heisman, won a national title. I mean, what, what more do you want out of a guy? Yeah, I was I was probably going to go with Steve Spurrier just because the player and the coaching angle was definitely what elevated him because he did it at, as a, as you mentioned a player and a coach, but he also did it as a coach at two different schools. I know he right. had more success at Florida, but South Carolina yeah, he did he, more in South Carolina than anyone's ever done or ever will do. Exactly. I mean, he he won the SEC East at South Carolina. I know that was during a time when the East wasn't exactly uh, blowing things up, but still, that's that's worthy. Uh, of having a comparison, but yeah, I was. I, I think if I'm looking at the just the the first face, it would have to be Archie Manning, though, right? Just the guy that kind of embodied the start of the SEC, well, or at least was. Uh, I know he was at Ole Miss, and he was more about Ole Miss than was the SEC, but still, that was kind of the first real big storyline coming from the conference, right? Uh, I just don't know that. I mean, everybody knows about the Manning family and about their lineage and their bloodline through the league, but. How many did you ever see Archie play? I know. I know. There's YouTube, and you can study history. I get all that. You know, age is no excuse. But Steve Spurrier, we all, no matter what generation you're in, have some kind of connection with his career, either mm-hmm. playing and coaching, or for me in my age, only time I, you know, I never saw him play, but I, I remember him coaching distinctly and hating the guy, you know, for a long time. Now you kind of, you, you know, love and respect the guy. So, yeah, I think Spurrier just because. There's such longevity in everything he does. Not that Archie's like – Archie just never coached in this league like that. So Yeah, yeah. Because like, yeah. he had this, this like pro football career in these – 
two awesome sons and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, he, he's definitely been a generational figure in SEC play for sure. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's you can't go wrong with either of those guys, honestly. But it was fascinating to see just how far the SEC has come and how much it's uh, really gone by. It's, it's, it's a great special. I'm really looking yeah. forward to it once it actually comes out. I think it's an eight-part series uh, that's going to be coming out on the SEC Network. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by Bud Light Lemon Tea, a unique twist on America's favorite light lager. Now he does a tight roll back. Boy, Houdini's in the house. We're number three, and nobody's home to watch that house. Touchdown, Hogs! Wyatt, radio and podcast host, and also a Mississippi State football analyst and a former quarterback for Mississippi State. Matt, appreciate you joining us. How you yeah, doing? glad to join you boys. Bright and early here on uh, Radio Row. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you're you're bright. You got the pineapple shirt on. Today. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm feeling like that. This, if you're going to be bright and early, got to be bright at yeah. least. And it is early, so I've got to find some way to make it fun this morning. And <laughs> we've never more been accused of being bright. And, well, maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's spelled differently the other way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we've never been accused of that. A little double entendre in there. Yeah. There you go. There you go. But we still have what? some fun with it. We still have some fun with it. But uh, uh, but Matt, obviously, uh, we've had you on the show many times before talking about uh, the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And just I want to ask you, after one year, Joe Moorhead, kind of the, the experiment after Dan Mullen finally left, just what's the overall feel from the fans in Starkville and Mississippi State fans as far as the job that he did in year one, the future of Mississippi State? Just what's the vibe right now? Yeah, the vibe is um, it's not negative uh, in any way. There is some disappointment after last season because they felt like they had a chance to win 10 uh, football games for sure. Um, They could have, should have, would have, definitely should have beaten Kentucky and Florida those two weeks Mm -hmm. of the year, but they didn't have their offense figured out. You know, uh, Nick Fitzgerald was really struggling in the pass game early in that Joe Moorhead scheme. It's more complicated maybe than what he'd done before. And they just, they couldn't get in games, find confidence early passing the ball. So, they uh, lost those two games back-to-back, and you have an eight-win season versus a ten. Okay, so see, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's not negative. Right. You know, everybody looks up there and they go, okay, they played the New Year's Day Bowl. They finished the year 18th, I think it is, in the coaches' poll. Uh, They were very good in the second half of the year. Uh, They had some really good wins in there, too. They absolutely smoked Auburn, ran them out of there, 350 yards rushing. Kylan Hill kind of showed what he could do. They they absolutely handled Texas A&M there in Starkville last year. You know, the score of that game makes it look like it was a little closer than it was. State was in total control of that A&M game. So they had some really good wins. Dominated Ole Miss, obviously, and Ole Miss was not any good. So um, people are positive. You know, Joe won as many games – uh, as a first-year head coach as anybody ever has at State. But they also know, okay, well, we had three first-rounders on defense. You could have won, won some more. So it's positive, but I think everybody wants a little more, which speaks to kind of where the program is and what it's gotten to yeah. all these years. And it's, so it goes back to Dan Mullen. He just nine straight bowl games in postseason trips for the team. So this expectation thing has risen and so it's a, it's a little dangerous for new coaches to have high expectations like that. But I think everybody's positive. And the other thing about Joe, and, and I, I don't know everybody as he gets to come through the car wash stuff, we're going to get to know him a little better. Right. He's just such a likable guy. Um, he's a little different from Dan Mullen in yeah. that way. You know, Dan's not warm and fuzzy, never was, not there to make friends. And that's okay. Right. 
because he's just there to win. Joe's a little different. He's just like us. Um, if he were sitting here, you know, we could have a half-hour conversation with him about the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's a huge baseball fan. He'd tell you for 30 minutes about his kids winning the Summer League Championship. He's just kind of a down-to-earth guy, and everybody likes him. Mm. Well, tell me about the quarterback situation, because that's always going to be what everyone wants to yeah. talk about is quarterback. And Nick Fitzgerald, no longer with Mississippi State. What's the situation look like with replacing him in this upcoming season? So it's two names you need to know. Keaton Thompson and Tommy Stevens. All right. Keaton has been at state, recruited to state. He was a, uh, a high school, you know, four-star player out of New Orleans. Big-time recruit. And uh, a little context on that. Keaton's high school numbers, if you were to look up what he did and the championships and everything there at uh, Landry Walker in New Orleans, are unbelievable. <laughs> they are phenomenal what he did in high school. And then at State, though he's never earned a starting job, he was always behind Nick Fitzgerald. Right. Every time they've played him, he wins and they <laughs> score. He just gets them in the end zone. He started the first game of last year because Nick was suspended, and he goes out and accounts for seven touchdowns. He, uh, he ran two and threw five in the first game last year. Before that, you know, he started in the bowl game against uh, Lamar Jackson in Louisville two years ago because Nick was hurt. And he goes out and he outplays Lamar Jackson, you know. So right. Keaton's not a great practice player. You know, his throwing motion is a little funky and, and all that. But he just wins. And so he's here, already been here. And in comes Tommy Stevens from Penn State. Uh, I watched Tommy throw it around out there, you know, from a distance out in the summer throwing, watching him run and everything. You kind of see him. Last night, um, when I got done with my radio show here in Hoover, I jumped in a car. I drove three hours back to Pearl, Mississippi. Had to host this alumni, big alumni gathering that, that they do there, and they had players there for autographs. And so right. I go backstage. Players had their jerseys on, and talking to him. So I go up to Tommy and uh, talk to him a little bit. So we're there in street clothes, standing next to him, and the guy's huge. You know, he's he's every bit of six five. You know. I'm tall. Yeah. His eye level is above mine. I'm kind of looking up to him a little bit. He's huge. And he's a guy who's like a, you know, 240 pounds running a 4.5 and a 40. At Penn State, when he didn't win the quarterback job with Trace McSorley, they put him on the field as a receiver because he runs so well and he's so tall. He's catching touchdown passes in Big Ten games. You know, they handed him the ball out of the backfield. He's just an athlete at that size. And Joe really likes him because he's a thrower who can run. Uh, so, sure enough, full-on quarterback competition starting in August. We're speaking with Matt Wyatt, radio and podcast host and Mississippi State football analyst, former quarterback for Mississippi State here on the Morning Rush Live from SEC Media Days. Matt, I want to ask you about Arkansas and get your perspective on it because obviously they're another team that's going today, the team that we cover the most. They went 2-10 and last year. Mississippi State obliterated them in Starkville. The game wasn't even close. It was really a sour ending for the Razorbacks uh, to a really sour season. But from your perspective, what, what Chad Morris is trying to accomplish, what he's trying to do in the direction it's going. Just what's your feelings on uh, what what needs to happen this year for him to have that improvement, but also the direction that he is going or trying yeah, to go? Yeah. You know, John, to, to be honest with you, like if you look at it from 30,000 feet where you're seeing the Arkansas thing is compared to really kind of the whole country and what goes on, you know, it's easy to kind of look at it and say, you know, he needs to start showing some progress uh, pretty quick because, you know, I'm not... I'm not convinced it was just completely in total rebuild. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can definitely can win at Arkansas, and everybody knows that. 
great fan support. You know, and in that state, they're the only game. Everybody's a Razorback. You know, it's not like Mississippi where, you know, that's a state with less than 3 million total people, and you have two SEC schools 90 miles apart, and yeah. they're both putting 60,000 in their stadium. In Arkansas, it's Arkansas. You can win there. You can recruit Texas. So it's just you got you to gotta do it quick, man. Mm-hmm. At a place like Arkansas, you're not getting five years to figure this thing out. Um, every year you're going to sign 25 players. <laughs> All right, you only put 22 on the field at once. We can figure this thing out pretty quick. So when you look at it from way up high, I just see it as a place where you have to win. And, you know, and if you're an Arkansas fan, it's not that you're looking for a way to light a fire under Chad Morris or any coach. It's just that you know we're going to take the approach that we have high expectations here. You know, um, this is not, uh, you know, no offense to anybody else. This isn't Arkansas State. This isn't Arkansas Tech. This is Arkansas Razorbacks, okay? And, and it, you got to figure it out pretty quick and start winning some football games. Or guess what? We're going to pay somebody else to try it, you know? And, and I think Chad Morris probably understands that. So that's the way I see it is proud program, great fan base, great stadium. They just spent all that money on it. A great program, you know, a um, bunch of trips to the SEC championship game back in the Houston Nut days, and, you know, you've won a lot in your history. you got to win. you got to do it now. And is it just as easy, going off of that point, is it just as easy as just recruiting your way out of it? Yeah. I mean, is that kind of the biggest second, third, fourth, fifth, most important thing to do if you're Arkansas right now? I think it's the number one thing, you know, players, because this is one man's opinion, in the SEC – Defense must be your first priority. I don't care what your background is. I don't care if you're an offensive coach. It's great. Coach offense. But when you write your priorities on the board, you better write defense first, period. Mm -hmm. End of story. Look at Ole Miss. They've been scoring on everybody the last three, four years. Two different coaches, different offensive coordinators. But they couldn't stop a nosebleed, and they lose. In the SEC, you better prioritize defense. Dan Mullen, when he took the job at State, He's the offensive coordinator of Florida. You know, Tim Tebow, Heisman's national championship. And the, the school and the fans were like, oh, spread offense. We're finally going to score points at State, you know, and all that. He comes in, and from day one, all he did was preach defense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he's saying defense all the time, and they're titling the spring game spread the fun. So they're selling tickets to us <laughs> with offense. But he yeah. knows he's got to play consistent defense every year. So you recruit to defense. You make it the priority. Um, and that's what they've got to do. You got to do that in the SEC. Matt Wyatt, radio and podcast host, football state or Mississippi State football analyst, as well as former quarterback. Always appreciate you hopping on with us, Matt. Enjoy the rest of the media days, man. Thank you. We'll that's be catching a, up with you later. That's a fantastic shirt. I'm glad you agree. I don't know if everybody else will He's agree. He's got pineapples on his too, just not as big. I, yeah, I don't know why it's the Hawaii today. day here. I, I, we may make it into one. Put a Hawaii guess. game on your video game behind you, and, yeah. and now we're now we're cooking with. That's grease. right. We just need some lays on us and stuff. We'll make all sorts of fun out absolutely. of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. We appreciate it, Matt, man. We'll be catching up with you, man. <laughs> so, did he just say t- Ty's pineapples aren't as big as yours? He, he, did, he did. What, I think that's what was just said. <laughs> yeah, he, he said that uh, you say Ty's pineapples aren't as big as my pineapples. <laughs> They're not. Um, <laughs> and I, There you go. Another double well, entendre. It's probably yeah, true in more ways than just, one. <laughs> appreciate it, Matt. That, but all right. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by Bud Light Lemon Tea, a unique twist on America's favorite light logger. Give is to Alex Collins straight up the middle and Collins on the run. They won't catch him. Alex Collins is going to take it all the way to the house. 
Chad Morris, coach, you were in this position a year ago, and now you're back after it again. How's it feel? Well, excited to be back. Uh, excited to bring three young men back that are extremely hungry, excited. Uh, i got to figure out how to get shirts like you got on today now. <laughs> I, that's what I should be wearing today. But, uh, no, excited to be here. Excited to, you know, when you get to this point in the summer and SEC media days kick off, uh, it just means one thing, and that's football season's on us. Yeah. Well, let me ask you about the players that you decided to bring, because obviously these are three players that have been around the program for a long time, uh, guys that were pivotal in the team last year and the roles that they played. Just why, why choose those three players first, and what have they meant to your team, not only last season, but heading in the spring and in the summer, heading into the fall? What have, what have they meant to you? Well, you always look at the leaders of your team, um, and when you look at so uh, and you look at Scooter, uh, those two young men are, are leaders of this football team. And for us to be successful this year, um, these two guys have got to command the leadership of that locker room and, and of that football team. And so um, that, that's one of the reasons why, uh, outside of their great football players, and we know that, uh, you know, Sosa had one of the best years he's had last year. Mm-hmm. And then to be able to come back, make the commitment to moving inside. 100%, change his body, uh, focus on graduating. It was a 4.0 student last semester. Uh, a young man that's got his priorities in order. And um, so that just shows you the hunger level that he has. And then you look at Sosa. Um, and Sosa being a, a, a guy that led the SEC in tackles and uh, just the, the leadership he commands. He's not very vocal. Uh, but that's okay. Not all leaders have to, to be vocal. But uh, uh, And then offensively, to bring Devois Whaley, a young man that's uh, kind of been injury-bitten injury um, during his career here. But when he is healthy, he's, he's definitely a factor. Um, so, again, a young man that uh, represents who we are and what we're about. Coach, you mentioned all three of those players, all three seniors, and looks like just looking at the proposed depth chart or, or what's likely, you're going to have about 10 seniors roughly starting for you this year. It's also going to be important to develop some of these young guys for down the road when the, when, when you're really looking to make that, that turn here with the program. Uh, how has the four-game redshirt rule and blending those guys in going to affect the way you manage some of these players and their playing time this year? Well, right now on our roster, we have 52 freshmen, redshirt freshmen, and walk-on freshmen. Wow. And in another 28, I believe, that are uh, sophomores. So this is a very young football team. Um, but we also understand we got 16 seniors that we have this year. And these 16 guys uh, have been through a lot in this program. And, you know, their leadership and, and, and what they want to leave their legacy this season and for this program for years to come uh, will, will be determined this year. And so I think that they're, they're, they're a group that uh, uh, I, I want them to be able to pass on the torch of what Razorback football is supposed to be about, being competitive each, each and every week and being a consistent winner each and every week. Coach, I want to ask you, obviously, uh, when you were in this position last year, your first SEC media day, you got to see what it was all about. And now that you've gone through a year in this league, I know it's cliche to ask what have you learned, but just what are some of the things that has really stood out to you as a head football coach getting into the SEC, going through a year of the whole process? What's been some of the biggest things you've learned? Well, we've learned a lot in year one. Um, one is you, you, you understand that um, each play, 
uh, and, and each each team um, definitely has you know a life of its own and um, and so as this season will as well this team will have their own life and uh, and so you you know you learn to take take things day to day you learn that the, that this is a line of scrimmage league and you better have depth in the O line and the D line uh, that's been a big one uh, you better have a consistent guy uh, at the quarterback position that, that commands uh, a great respect for the entire football team uh, so there's a lot of things that we're learning this year and by, by by me by our staff uh, by our players uh, and, and you know and, and our players probably would be the first to tell you to understand exactly what's expected of them uh, from a culture standpoint. From the outside looking at everybody thinks everybody has an opinion about play calling, and you talked some about that last year. What what conversations maybe you could share with us, or what's the style going to be, or how's the play calling going to go? Just to put it simply, how's play calling going to be handled this year with you and your staff? Yeah, well, our philosophy offensively doesn't change. We want to be a hurry up, no huddle football team, um, and, and I think that we've done a great job. Uh, since the end of the season and and continuing to develop our roster and going out and and, and recruiting at a high level and uh, and also being able to to attract some quality transfers that will help us become better in that area in in year two uh from a play calling standpoint you know i'm I'm heavily involved with coach craddock and and will be more involved this year than i've ever been with with him and uh and so but he is our offensive coordinator and but he and i work extremely good together coach i I have to ask you about this because i saw the pictures sosa games has a doll yes It's, it's a chucky doll i believe can you give us the story behind that and what it means yeah i you know i i won't i won't take all of what he wants to share but okay. uh his it's from his his cousin that that uh was 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 killed about a year ago oh wow and so it, it has a significant meaning to him and he travels uh with it everywhere he goes okay well that, that's a that's a great story because I, I saw that and I, and I was curious about that i'm sure there was sad to be some sort of storyline yeah. to it all uh but uh, obviously another question i want to get into with you is with this upcoming football season obviously the pressures of the sec a lot of people expect you know they want to win now win now win now and i know you've made a lot of changes on your roster you've brought in some other guys along uh but the one i want to talk to you about is the quarterback situation because you have ben hicks who went through spring you had the addition of nick starkle how's the quarterback situation going to be handled in fall camp is it open competition just going at it seeing who's going to are you leaning towards one way how are you going to go about that in fall you know with let's go back at the end of last year um we knew one that we needed to be in the quarterback market heavily mm-hmm. um wasn't because we didn't like the guys that were on our roster it was the fact that we had to improve our overall roster and that started with that position um and create more competition uh you know we 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 lost two to the transfer portal we had an idea that uh if connor had a really good year that this could happen so we really needed to be active Uh, ben hicks uh, which has played in this offense has been in this exact spot of two and ten before um and knows how to get out of it uh was a young man that 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 was we were very active with uh, once he wanted to come to Arkansas we thought that would be a great addition to us and our team it, it really benefited our quarterback room it allowed John Stephen Jones to really uh, continue his development had a great spring got a lot of reps um, but then to bring Nick Starkle in in June uh, has really 
elevated that entire position. And uh, he's played in this league. He's won in this league there for a while. People thought he was going to be the starter. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, as we go into fall camp, it'll be really good about how uh, the, the competition goes. It is, uh, uh, you know, it is a, a, an open battle and will be through camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, coming out of spring, Ben was our guy. Uh, but we, we felt that, I mean, because of just the, the, the comfort level of the offense and, and the development. So, but that that's that's if we started tonight. But, you yeah. know, this is going to be a great battle going into camp. I know you're excited about it, and I know we're excited about it, Coach. Really appreciate you joining us. Chad Morris, head coach of the Arkansas Razorback football team. Enjoy the rest of SEC media days. Don't let them ha- handle you too much up there. All right, Coach? It'll be good. Appreciate you. Thank you. Go Hogs. There you go. Coach Chad Morris. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by Bud Light Lemon Tea, a unique twist on America's favorite light lager. We're joined by Scooter Harris, linebacker for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Appreciate you hopping on with us, man. What do you think of uh, SEC Media Day so far? Man, thanks for having me. Uh, I think it's, you know, pretty wild so far. You know, just a lot of fans, you know, just sitting here, um, just waiting on us, you know, just cheering on for us. And it's really, it's really special, man. Uh, you know, I'm blessed to be here. Well, let me ask you about from where you were at this point last year. Obviously, new coach Chad Morris. There was a lot of mystery. There was a lot of unknown. And now you're heading in here into the second year. What would you just say for you personally has been the biggest difference in your mindset and your body? Just everything from just a year ago to where you're at now. I just think you know, just just coming in my last year, um, just having a better understanding about everything. You know, you know, just my body, you know, on and off the field things. Um, I just learned a lot, you know, with this staff. You know, that, that I did learn, you know, with the previous staff, and you know, just try to, you know, you know take everything to to another step right now. And I think you know, me coming back my last year benefited me a lot. So so, you know, I'm just anxious. How important is it for, I mean, obviously you're one of the leaders on the defense. That's why you're with us at SEC Media Days. But setting the pace for this defense on and off the field, do you feel like that's a role you, that you've you got to take on this year? Yeah, you know, just been, uh, I think, one of the guys with the most experience on the defense. And, you know, just been three-year starter now um, and, as, and as senior now. So um, on and off the field, you know, my leadership, you know, is very important. You know, I have a lot of guys looking at me even when I don't know it. And I'm not expecting, you know, they, they're watching my every move. Let me ask you about the rest of the linebackers that you're going to be playing alongside. Obviously, Dre Greenlaw moved on from last year. You had some young guys like a bumper pool that's going to be yeah. entering in his second year. What's the linebacker crew look like right now from uh, what they looked like to a year ago, and what's kind of the expectation you have for each other? I think right now, you know, my ex- my expectation you know, as a senior is just being the most, you know, um, having the most um, time of just playing on that. My expectation for everyone, everybody is high, and it's the same for everyone. And I think bumper took on you know, a bigger role by me being hurt this spring. You know, he kind of grew grew up you know faster than what he he wanted to and what everybody else expected so and I'm just anxious to see what this linebacker room could do because you know, these these guys did a lot in the spring you know for for themselves so I'm just just want to see what they're gonna do for this team now and Grant Morgan probably grew a lot in the spring uh, you know football wise and football IQ wise and, and really having an opportunity you mentioned your injury and being out in the spring it gave Grant Morgan another opportunity yeah it does get Grant Morgan and, um, you know with the younger guys I think Chief right now is doing an uh, excellent job you know cross training everyone right now Mike and Will so you know our motto is the, the next best linebacker up is not a Mike or Will by position with us um, you know so I think all those guys that's getting cross trained is, is the next guy up and, you know I'm feeling confident right now we could throw any of our younger linebackers 
out there inside me, you know, it'll be pretty fine. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you about Chief. You mentioned John Chavis. Uh, he's a guy that's been around for a long time, and I know that when he got injured into the mix and the coaching staff with Arkansas, there was a lot of expectations there. Just in, in what have you felt like in his development as a coach and, and the changes that he's made and how, how he's helped you in your development as an individual on this defense? Well, I think, you know, just, just speaking on Chief and the other linebackers, you know, just me and Chief conversations, um, you know, this offseason, he, he was, you know, just trying to find better ways to help each and every one of those younger guys learn, you know, in their own type of way. And I think Chief have a better understanding in year two than year one and he had, you know, and as for me as a player, you know, he just always try to, you know, makes me better. He talks about the next level with me. You know, I need to start bettering myself for the next level now. And if I can make myself better for the next level now, it'd be even better for his team. Better mustache, John Chavis or Steve Caldwell? <laughs> Steve Caldwell. Steve Caldwell. <laughs> All right. Thought there would be some debate there, but it was, it was pretty please, easy. I, I hope Chief didn't hear that. <laughs> well, you know, that, and that's what's funny is because the defense obviously was having to go through some struggles last year as well. Yeah. And then this year, I know the expectation continues to rise. But for, for what you've seen around just the defense in general, the defensive line, the, the secondary, there's been some new additions there in the recruiting element. Yeah. Just as a collective group of you guys, has anything changed as far as mindsets, as far as your mental approach to the game this upcoming season? I mean, how's that group collectively developing? I think as defense right now, our mindset has changed. But I think it's overall as a team, our mindset. But, you know, just speaking at defensive-wise, I'm pretty, you know, confident right now in our first two or three units right now. Um, we've been doing a good job, you know, as a senior leaders like me and Sosa and, you know, the rest of those guys and offseason workouts just trying to keep continuing to build depth, you know, with the younger guys. And, you know, the more depth we have, that's what's been killing us over the past few years. I think the longer we can sustain in games, you know, and stick in there. And once we do come down those close games at the end, I think we could pull away, you know, because we have a lot of depth built up. You started thinking about the fact that it's your senior season. There's what, six, I think Chad Moore said there's 16 seniors on this roster. You're yeah. you're the leader amongst of them. I mean, this this is it. Uh, yeah. Final final year. I mean, are you mentally approaching this season any differently than the previous years? Yeah, I'm mentally approaching it um, differently. Um, I think it's because of my leadership. My leadership role had to, had to grow a lot, you know, faster on and off the field um, for the team instead of just being for the defense, you know, just taking that role on. Uh, that rule alone, you know, been very serious for me. And I'm not really concerned about it being, you know, my last year. Not trying to think about it as much through the offseason. But see, now I have five months left, so it's kind of starting to hit me now. It's going by a lot quicker than I expected. All right, Scooter, let me ask you this. I'm, I'm out here, and I got to do my predictive order of a finish. I got to do my all-SEC team. You are listed as an option for all-SEC linebacker. Can you give me a little bit of a, a political statement on why I should vote you into the all-SEC team this year? I mean, I think, you know, you're looking as an SEC linebacker, I bring everything, you know, that you're looking for, size, speed, speed and, you know, just physicality. Um, my production, you know, hasn't fell off. It always been taking, you know, bigger strides each year, you know, and I just want to continue to do that. I mean, like I say, though, if, if I'm not on the SEC team, it's just going to be a lot of more motivation for me. You know, but if I am, I just take the list, congratulate myself because I feel like I earned it, you know, and just move on. What do you think about my man bringing NCAA football 14? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually watching it, and I've just seen a big hit on Rakeen. I try to hold my back. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, we uh, we, we actually got, got the updated <laughs> rosters on it. And, and here's the thing, and I'm not lying about this, Scooter. You are the highest-rated player on Arkansas's roster this year. How do you feel about that? 
I mean, I, I, I feel really good about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel really good. You know, I'm honored about it. Yeah, yeah I'm sure that means a lot and to you. It means a lot, dude. Yeah. It does. Yeah, well, Scooter Harris, linebacker for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Appreciate you stopping in, man. Enjoy the rest of SEC Media Days. Don't let it get to you, man. It, it, we're all just having fun out here, appreciate all right? Have me. All right, appreciate it. That's Scooter Harris. Your number one source of local news and information you need. Like the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast? Check out the Halftime Pod at hitthatline.com.